welcome back to my second episode of my podcast, Outer Banks Observations. And in today's episode, we will be talking about the second episode in the first season called The Lucky Compass. And in this episode, uh, John B. finds finds out that the compass that he found in the previous episode is his father's, and he is determined to find out what uh, Redfield, which is what is written inside the compass, means. And he is very determined to find out if it means that or if it's a message from his father and if his father's still alive um but before I get started into everything going on in the episode I just wanted to talk about a couple things um one I know you guys can't see but I watch these episodes right and I write notes as I go through the episode and I just want to give myself a quick little shout out because I got so much better at writing notes this second episode because I write the notes that I have down written and then I like cross out some that I don't I cross out some that I that I don't think aren't super relevant to mention um and I got a lot better at doing that this time like I didn't cross out as many things I didn't write down as many things like in the last one I had like three pages written down and I maybe use like two and this one I have like a page and a half written down and I crossed out a couple still. So this episode should be much shorter than last episode and I I think as I go, I think past episode five is when my episodes will get a bit longer because that's when I'm going to probably have more to say. But yeah, I just wanted to give myself a quick little shout out for that because I'm kind of proud of myself. And then I wanted to ask if... Um, what you guys would think about me just having like when I'm done with all 10 episodes what you guys would think about me having like an episode about just talking about season two predictions because guys I saw a video on TikTok and they have started filming season two and let me tell you I am beyond excited to see what they have in store for us because the first season was amazing and I'm sure the second season will be even better I hope so because I feel like they have a lot of points to jump off of and they have like a lot of different places that they could go from um, where they left off and I'll talk about like all the different places that I think it can go if I do this episode about just season two. And I also was thinking, um, what if I do, because I feel like a whole podcast episode about um, what I think the psychological effects that Rafe has had on him throughout his life would be really interesting because I have a lot of different thoughts about what happened to him not like abuse or anything but like we all know that Sarah and Rafe's mom isn't in the picture and you know Rafe is obviously older so I'm sure he grew up with her longer and I feel like um the way his father treats him I I think that that would be a really interesting episode but of course I only want to do it if you guys would be interested in it so yeah tweet me if you guys think that either of those ideas would be interesting and so I just recorded my last episode of my podcast yesterday and I had some technical difficulties while um editing it and like cutting out some words that I don't need or some bits that I don't need to have in there and I just want you guys to like hang tight with me like I'm I'm struggling a little bit but I'm having a lot of fun doing this, and I was really nervous in the first episode, but I feel a, lo- a little better about it now, because I, I have it scheduled to come out this Friday of the first episode, so I think it should be fun, and I'm really excited, so uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to talk about, and um, let's get started and jump into the first part of episode two, uh, The Lucky Compass. 
Okay, so I'm going to jump right into the episode, and the first thing that I want to mention that I thought was quite funny that Sarah even said, considering that she ends up dating John B, and it was a little ironic, she was talking to John B on the boat about when he's sneaking in to go put back the tanks and whatever, um, they're just having, like, this little back-and-forth conversation, and a John B was telling her, like, you should get a better boyfriend, and she said, oh, like one who doesn't poach, because, you know, he poached their scuba gear or whatever, and I thought that was kind of ironic that she literally ends up dating the guy who was poaching her scuba gear and that she said that. Um, also, in this conversation, Sarah calls her dad Ward, and she does this a lot throughout the show, and I've noticed it, and, you know, I, at first I was like, what if it's, like, not actually her dad and it's her, like, stepdad or something, and Rose is her mom, but, then, like, in the Midsummer's episode, she's, like, telling Rose that you're, like, I don't have to listen to you because you're not my mom. So, why, why does Sarah call her dad Ward? I don't understand. I mean, maybe it's just because she wants others to know that she's talking about her dad, but at the same time, John B. literally knows Ward is her dad. So, I don't understand why, why she even calls her dad Ward. That, I don't know, it just don't, that don't sit right with me. <laughs> um... Next, this is just a question. Like, question to myself and any listeners out there who maybe do this. So, uh, JJ and John B were in the car having a little conversation about how Kiara kissed John B on the cheek. And then JJ was just teasing him, saying, she obviously likes you, she kissed you, and he was like, just on the cheek. And I'm sorry, but if I ever kissed any of my guy friends on the cheek, I know they would think it'd be a little something more than just me. I would love to kiss my guy friends on the cheek. Like, I would love it. It Sounds so fun, and I love all my guy friends like family. But I feel like if I did that, they would take it the wrong way. And it's like anyone out there whose friends, like, or whose guy friends let you kiss them on the cheek, like if you're a girl, because my guy friends I feel like would, like, flip their shit if I did something like that. And I don't, I don't know. That's just a genuine question. Like, obviously in this friend group, they kiss each other on the cheek or something because it seems normal to John B, but I don't have a friendship like that because it's just not how my friends work, I guess. But I don't know. That's just a question I have because I was watching the show and I was like, hmm, I I wonder if people's guy friends are actually like that. But because... Because mine most definitely are not. Um, And then in the scene where JJ and JB go to confront Lana about the compass. Okay, Miss Lana, like, she, in my opinion, was a little dramatic about the compass. Because she doesn't know, like, what kind of value there is to it. And she doesn't know why the smugglers wanted it or anything I don't think she really knows what it has to do obviously she knows that she just got like raided her house just got raided because of the compass but I feel like because she doesn't know what it was about she was a little like over dramatic about it you know she was like freaking out like it was literally gonna kill someone because when I first watched uh this episode and she was like freaking out I was like oh my god like this this compass is gonna get them killed which you know they find out that it's like a death compass or whatever um but I'm gonna talk about that in a second but I just you know I don't know Miss Lana was just a little like 
overdramatic about the compass, in my opinion. Um, another thing I want to talk about that I want to get... Ooh, I'm so excited to talk about this because I don't know what it is about Rafe, but everything about his character just, like... I don't know, I'm very drawn to his character because his character is just, like... I feel like he's so... There's so many layers to Rafe that we can see and that there's a possibility that we could see even in the... Like, because in the beginning of the show, you know... I mean, he's kind of a... Like, he's kind of an ass throughout the whole show. But at the end, you see, like, he actually, you know, has feelings. Um, And I don't know, just something about the whole character of Rafe. It just... I'm very drawn to everything about him. And I would love to learn about the psychological effects his childhood had on him. And Rafe said, we have to fight fire with fire. And uh, this is the first time I noticed this when I was watching it last night. Oh my god, guys, guys. In he caught the bell tower on fire whenever he was trying to get Jombie out. This might just be a coincidence because uh, it seems a little far-fetched because I've never seen it. But... I've, or I've never noticed it up until yesterday or last night when I was watching the episode. But he he literally says in the second episode, you have to fight fire with fire. And that, in my opinion, is a little bit of foreshadowing that Rafe is going to catch the bell tower on fire. And I'm pretty sure he literally says it in that episode too. Or, no, 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 he doesn't. He says that this is war because, yeah, oh my god, Oh, Rafe is so frustrating. But I thought that was really cool that they had foreshadowing about Rafe saying that. Whether it was on purpose or on accident, I thought that was really cool. So, now we cut to the part where uh, JJ, or not just JJ, but this, what I'm going to talk about, is mostly about JJ. So, the pokes are in the house, and then the smugglers come, and JJ doesn't have the gun. Guys... JJ doesn't have the gun. The one time they need the gun, as Kiara said, oh my god, JJ really be out here. I feel like JJ, because when he doesn't have it, they need it. And when he has it, they could get in trouble for having it. I feel like it's just such a 50-50 thing. But guys, JJ didn't have the gun, you know, when necessary. And I just felt the need to bring that up because, you know... We all know that that is how the story goes with the gun. Um, Also, so the smugglers come in, you know, after they'd escaped, they find the thing in the map that says the HMS Royal Merchant. And I wanted to talk about this in the last episode, but I waited to talk about it in this episode because this is when you see that it says HMS Royal Merchant. And it took me a while to figure this out, but I'm pretty sure that that's why they called the Pogue the HMS Pogue. And... I love that. I love that that is why they called the the Pogue, the HMS Pogue. And I feel like it's just like a little bit for his dad that he did that. Because, you know, obviously he was never really into the Royal Merchant before his dad passed or before his dad disappeared. Um, and I, I just think it's like a nice little thing that he did for his dad that he called the Pogue, the HMS Pogue. And I thought that was so cute. And when all the pogues are hiding in the chicken coop from the smugglers, Kiara and Jombie hold hands. And, okay, this is going to tie into something I'm going to talk about a little more deeper in the very last episode where Kiara and Pope also hold hands. 
But, you know, we both know Kiara ends up shooting down Jombie, and she still holds his hand. So if you guys get what I'm getting at, um, we're going to talk about that when, um, when, I, when episode 10 comes. Because I have a lot to say about, like, the last few episodes. Like, I got, got like, lots to say about that. Um, and then JJ kills the rooster. Poor JJ. And then uh, it cuts to a part where JJ and Pope, like, look at Kiara. And they they look so concerned about Kiara crying. And it makes me just, makes me feel for the two. Because we we know that JJ and Pope in my opinion, care more about Kiara than, than John B. And maybe, you know, maybe it has to do with the fact that Kiara disappeared on John B whenever his dad went missing. You know, you never know. But yeah, uh, uh, poor, poor JJ and Pope. I really feel for them. And um, yeah, they, they were really sad about Kiara crying and that made me really sad. Once again, Topper strikes with his snarky little attitude, and oh my god, I hate Topper. So he's talking to Sarah on the rooftop, and he calls the Pogues lowlives. And also, may I mention that he is talking about how the Pogues are terrible, and he literally says that to Ward when we find out near the end that, or is it? It's like more, it's like middle end, kind of, that we find out Ward literally used to be a Pogue. Like, he used to, he's from the cut. He literally says to Ward's face that Pogues are, like, terrible. And, um, you know, I just, I thought that was kind of, okay, okay, Topper, you kind of, you're pushing it there. But uh, Topper also, he's, like, he's getting mad at Sarah for, like, talking to John B. Because, you know, Wheezy's a rat and she can't keep her mouth shut about anything. Um, And she tells Topper that Sarah was flirting with John B. And so freaking Topper tries to play the victim about like JJ pointing the gun at him and whatever. And you know, this is a reoccurring act for Topper. He always tries to play the victim. It's never his fault. Um, It's always the Pope's fault. And that is just, that's so frustrating. God, and this is just another a little topper moment that um you know we hate his character but it's it means the actor did a good job because if you're meant to hate the character and you do then the actor and the writers know what they're doing oh my god i would love a whole episode to just talk about how amazing the writing is for this show and how they let them do some improv oh my god i would love to talk about that um anyway next thing i want to talk about um, this is, oh my god, this breaks my heart, because, and I only noticed this because I, um, I, I saw it on an Instagram post, and so, John B is, like, they're driving to the lighthouse, and they're all just, like, talking to John B, saying that, um, he needs to, like, let go of his father already, and then John B has, like, this whole beautiful, like, line, it's more than a line, it's, like, a, a whole sentence, and he's like, you guys don't know what it's like to have the person closest to you vanish. And you don't know what happened. You just wake up every day wondering. And, th- oh my god. If you think about it, by the end of the show, you know, when John B and Sarah are on the boat and, you know, they don't know what happened to them. In that moment, they 
are, because who knows when Zombie's going to be back. We're not going to find out till season two, but obviously he has to come back to the OBX eventually, but it probably won't be for at least a couple months, in my opinion. I don't know. But, um, so, you know, by the end of that episode, I feel like it's a little, a little bit of foreshadowing because in the end, they know, they feel what Zombie felt when his dad disappeared. They feel that, um that feeling that he has been feeling for months that the person closest to them like vanished and they don't really know what happened because they're obviously not going to find the bodies because they're not dead and so I feel like this this whole quote that he said it really is something that hit because I know what happens at the end and they do eventually feel what John B feels and I just really felt the need to talk about that because it is it might have been foreshadowing but um maybe not if it was once again the writers did an amazing job and the writers do an amazing job throughout the whole show and I and I love the the whole um and I love everything they did with the show um but yeah that was pretty cool um also in this episode um Pope mentions his scholarship only once so we are on a total of three times currently um uh, next thing so you guys remember when John B was going up to the lighthouse and he was talking about the guy about the he was talking to the guy about the royal merchant and then he brought up like he showed him the compass. In my opinion, okay, the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh my god, this guy knows something." But watching it over a few times already, um I I think the guy was actually confused cuz there's no way everyone in the OBX knew about this freaking compass. Like there's just no way. Unless, like, Ward asked this guy or something, but I don't know. That seems a little far-fetched, but at the same time, could be possible. Um, but he's, the guy seemed genuinely confused. And then they were, they just kept on talking, and then he calls on the walkie-talkie and tells whoever was down there, um, that the kids were on drugs. Which I believe that he genuinely, like, believed. I honestly believe that. So... Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think the guy that was on the lighthouse was really confused. Like, actually, not just, like, pretending like he doesn't know what's going on. Because there's no way everyone knew what the fuck that compass was for. Like, there's just no way. That compass was just, like, some little thing left from his father. There's no way. I'm sorry. Absolutely no way everyone knew what that was for. After that, it is the Kiara and Jambie kiss slash denial. Kiara says she blames it on the rule. She blames it on the no pogue on pogue knacking rule. But um I don't I don't really know about that one. I don't I think she just didn't like Jumbie like that. And I feel like Kiara the more I watch this episode, the more I feel like Kiara is just like like a mom. Like I see her just taking care of like all her children and I feel like she loves them in like a motherly way. And so that's, it just comes off as, cause you know, if someone was care, like if someone of the opposite gender was caring for you as your mom does, you, you might think of it romantically cause you're like, oh, they care about me like in a deeper way. But I just think Kiara cares about all the pogues and like, a, like a, cause they're like her family and they're her only friends that like don't judge her for anything and they're always there for her. So I think John B just took things wrong cause Kiara's just like a mom. She's just like a mom taking care of her three boys. <laughs> and I love that for Kiara. And then um, after that, uh, I love this. It's so funny in my opinion. But 
Uh, Kiara's at the police station, you know, with John B, where John B's getting interrogated by Peterkin, and in, like, the background, you can see, like, one of the officers, like, I guess, trying to hit on Kiara or something, and you can just hear Kiara say, you know, I'm a minor, right? Oh my god, that is just so funny to me. I love that. I Oh my god, I should have written down the timestamp, but it is, like, right at the beginning where it cuts, um, to the police station, um, to the inside of the police station, um, Kiara's saying that she's a minor. I thought that was so funny. Um, and then in that scene, Peterkin, th- this is foreshadowing, period. Peterkin literally says, so she was talking to John B saying how, uh, John B was like, you don't know my dad's dead. And she's like, yeah, I do. And in the end, you find out that Peterkin knew this whole time that Big John was dead and knew who it was from or who killed him, but she didn't know that how or the why. She says that at the end when she's talking to La- uh, Miss Lana in the church. So, Peterkin literally told us that Big John was dead. But, you know, we we just thought that it was her being ignorant. Because we were like, no, Big John's not dead, Miss Sheriff Peterkin. You don't know what you're talking about. She literally didn't know what she was talking about. Because she had, like, a whole little deal with Ward. Um, next thing, the moving camera while running. Oh, my God, I love that. It... I love the filming that they did for that, like, the... Because you know how you when usually when people run, the camera's just still, and it's just, like, recording them running? Well, because, like, this was an intense moment, I guess, uh, they used the camera moving. Like, the camera operator was obviously running, um, and, like, the camera was shaking, and it wasn't just, like, a still camera. And I thought that added a lot to the scene, and I really loved that they decided to use that because it was a... It was a really good addition to the whole scene, and it really intensified what was going on. Also, Peterkin doesn't arrest these guys, and I think that this is because of the thing that she owed to Ward, and how, like, um, because she obviously owed Ward something, and we find that out later whenever she's like, uh, we're even now, just, from now on I do my job. I just thought you should know. So she obviously owed Ward something. So maybe she didn't arrest those guys because they were hired by Ward. And she just wanted to do Ward a favor by not arresting them. Because obviously Ward had something against her, I guess. Or he did something for her. So, uh, oh, wait, that's right. He had that thing against her that, um, what was it? Oh my god, shit, I'm blinking so hard. Give me a minute to think. Oh my god, that's right. Ward told Peterkin that, like, who killed Big John so that it wouldn't be, like, um, like, she didn't, she wouldn't need to, like, dig deeper into it. That is right. That is what Ward did for Peterkin, and I'm pretty sure, well, we know what she, like, officially did to pay, uh, to pay him back. She got the compass from John B., but I think just, like, as an extra favor for what he did, um, she didn't arrest those guys, because I still think that those guys were hired by Ward to find the compass because I don't know where else they would have found out about all this and where else they would have come from. Um, also, about the compass, so it's the, it, it was a death compass, right? So said by, like, what was by all the people that died while they had it. But I think it is just so reversed that literally if John B didn't have that compass and he jumped the fence, he would have gotten killed. Obviously, that's what um, Sheriff Peterkin said. And literally the compass saved his life when the compass killed so many other people. And I just think uh, that was kind of funny how the whole 
a death compass thing completely reversed and it saved his life rather than end it. I thought that was really interesting, um, in my opinion. And then after that, when John B. goes home, the song, I'm going to keep talking about the music for this show because it's so great. The song that's playing when John B. like goes home and he's like burning all this stuff, uh, that, that song's amazing. I love that song. It was so great. Definitely my favorite song in this whole episode. Um, I loved it. It was so, it was so amazing. Um, my God, I, I love the music in this show. The, the music in the show is amazing and it, it just keeps getting better. I love it so much. Um, so after that, John B decides to go to the graveyard and so they go get Kiara or the, he goes, gets in J, he goes to get JJ and Pope first and then he goes to get Kiara and then he goes in there to beg Kiara to come and Kiara kisses him on the cheek again literally after she said that um like it's not gonna happen basically so is is this just a thing that they do with friends is this a thing people do with their guy friends because i don't do this i would love to but is this normal am i the only one who doesn't do this and who's just not aware of it can you guys like tell me or something i don't know um i'm i'm quite confused um Maybe maybe it is normal, and I just don't know about it. I don't know. But yeah, Kiara put John B. back in the friend zone, even though he never really left, and he kissed her, him on the cheek again. So I don't know what's what's up with Kiara, but she's being quite confusing as usual, but it's okay. Um, and on their way to the graveyard, we're going to talk about Pope's personality again. Um, he... Er, more like his character development because I'm more like tracking how he changes throughout the show. But um Pope denies the blunt that JJ rolled. Like he does he denies to smoke it because, you know, he's like he wants to keep the signal clear or whatever. Um need to point that out because um Pope's personality changes quite a bit by the end of the show. And then oh my god, last thing I'm gonna talk about, we're gonna end on a high note, guys. Um freaking JJ barking at the snakes. What was that? Or the moccasins or something. What was that? What was that? And is it true what he said? Oh my god, JJ's so funny. This, like, this whole, like, interaction that he's having with everyone while he's barking at the snakes and everyone telling him to... And everyone telling him to shut up and everyone just, like, yelling at him. I love that whole interaction. And does barking at snakes like that actually work? Like, is that true? Or is that just something JJ just completely made up or made up out of, like, the blue? Also, I'm quite curious to know if that whole... Because that scene, if that scene was scripted, oh my god, the writers did an amazing job and the actors did an amazing job, like, uh, delivering the whole scene. But it just, it feels so natural. It feels like it was improvised. It doesn't feel scripted, you know? I just, I love that whole scene, and if that scene was, uh, scripted, um, wow, writers did a hell of a job, but that, it really did feel improvised, and I know there was a lot of improvisation in this show, which is why I'm saying, uh, that I'm, I feel like this, or at least part of it, maybe, like, the whole idea of him barking at the snakes was in there, but a lot of the things that they were saying, I feel like it was, um, I feel like it was improvised, and I love that. I love that they added improvisation in the whole show. And the show ends off with Kiara staring into the abyss, saying, oh my god. And we end off on episode two of 
season one, Outer Banks, The Lucky Compass. And yeah, guys, that concludes episode two. Oh my god, I finished my second episode of my podcast. I'm having so much fun with this. And um, yeah, I I really hope you guys are enjoying these episodes because I'm really enjoying recording them and getting a lot of like things in my brain off my chest. I really enjoy this. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to my second episode of my podcast to those of you who did and to those of you who made it this far. Um, if you guys have any questions or uh, things you'd like me to talk about, um, you can tweet me on my Twitter. It is Jeanette Piscina with two eyes and Piscina. Um, guys, I'm really having so much fun recording this and I, I hope to all you listeners out there, I hope you guys are enjoying listening to me just rant and just talk about things that are on my mind about the show. And I, I'm like, I just wanted to let you guys know I'm recording these episodes like kind of back to back because, um, I, I just want to have them ready to post and just like see how the episodes are doing. So, like, if you tweet me something that, um, you know, maybe has to do with episode one and I don't uh, really talk about it, I'll try to talk about some stuff that I see on Twitter um, beforehand, before I start going into the episodes, if you guys tweet me anything. But, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I think tomorrow I'm going to record episode three. Um, but I, I do have a job. And I have a lot of things to do. And I'm recording this in the morning because I have to clean my apartment today. It's quite messy. My dog loves to make a mess in here. Um, so, yeah, if if you guys tweet me anything, uh, hold tight with me. Um, I will try to get to a lot of your questions. And um, maybe I'll just have a whole episode dedicated to answering Twitter questions and Twitter conspiracies. I would love to do stuff like that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I hope you guys have a great morning, night, rest of your day, whatever time it is for you or whatever time you're listening. Um yeah, I'm I'm having so much fun. Uh I'll see you guys next week on episode 3 of Outer Banks. <laughs>